Is everybody excited to be here this morning? You're like, not after that video or not. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the middle of this sermon series that we've been talking about entitled Keys to Making Life Better. And we've been talking about a lot of different things. We talked about the keys to happiness so far, the keys to faithfulness, the keys to love. And all of them, as we take a look at the keys, are, are somewhat difficult to apply. They're all involved trust. They're all involve things that are not natural to us and so true is this next one where we're going to talk today about this gift or this key to prosperity and the key to prosperity that we will learn very quickly as we dig into scripture the key to prosperity is giving almost doesn't make any sense and yet in acts 20 verse 35 it says this remember the words of the lord jesus himself who said there is more happiness in giving than in receiving let me just ask you this, though. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that to be true? I, I think so. Sometimes, you know, at Christmas we see it, right, where we get more excited about giving the gifts away and seeing them unwrap it and, and the excitement that goes with that than we do maybe opening our own. But sometimes I think that's a hard question for us to answer. We know that God is, God's word is true. We know that God doesn't change. We know that he shares stuff, all kinds of stuff that's hard for us to, to assimilate and to believe and to trust. And this one, for whatever reason, is one of the hardest ones for Christians to kind of embrace because the trusting seems like it's so difficult to do. But I asked that question this morning. Do you really believe that that's true? Because it says right here that happiness is based on living generously. And so that's what I want to take a look at a little bit today. And as I go through this, what I want you to do is I just want you to keep an open heart to what God is saying. And then you can evaluate it from there. Just hear God's words and then just kind of wrestle with it as you do, okay? As we go through this, there's some key words in the Bible that I just want to give you for perspective. The, the word believe or believer or believing is used 275 times. The word pray or prayer or praying is used 371 times. The word love or lover or loves or loving is used 714 times. But the word giving or give is used 2,162 times. And so my question is just based on numbers, which one do you think that God seems to emphasize the most? And it's obvious, isn't it? It's this idea of giving. And if you will, again, just as you kind of process through this, the Bible is a book about giving. It's not just something that's tacked onto the Christian life to keep the lights on or something like that. It's actually part of the essence of Christian living. And as you think about that, Jesus was the ultimate giver. And the reason it's the essence of, of Christian giving is because the heart and the pocketbook, right, giving and the heart, they often are so closely linked as we walk through life. Just think about when you don't have enough money to pay a bill, how much temptation there is, right, how much struggle there is, how much worry there is, how much anxiety there is. Why? Because it's so closely tied to our heart, it ramps us up every time it doesn't go according to plan. Jesus was the ultimate giver, though. He said this one time. He says, give, and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Give, and it will be given. I, I think we've all heard that before. I don't think this is the first time for most. But my question is, what is exactly is it that you get back? Give, and it will be given. And the scripture says, you know, every time you give, you get back something. And I think oftentimes they just kind of focus on the give part, but the reality is that we get all sorts of stuff back from God. There's all sorts of blessing. There's all sorts of growth that happens every time we give. 
And that's really the essence of the sermon today. I want to give you the, the pros on why God says this is such a healthy thing for our life, why it makes life better, why it can give us peace and joy as we walk through this. And so, again, just keep an open heart as we go through these things, and I think, I think God can use this this morning. And so one of the first things that we see when we give is that God makes me more like God. It's one of the stated goals in being a disciple to become more and more like our Savior, our Creator. And the Bible says that God is a giver. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. And the cool part is he didn't give us 100 bucks. He gave us, he gave us his son, Jesus, right? But because he died and rose again, we have life, we have forgiveness, we have hope, we have peace, we have promises of heaven. And if you think about everything that is good in our life comes as a gift from God, that's just a truism as we walk through life. I heard this said one time, though. It says that it is probably true that you can give without loving. And I think that happens, not very, maybe very often, but it can happen. But this is also true. You cannot love without giving. It just can't be done. To be like God, then, who is the personification of love, we have to learn to be a giver. Let me see if I can give you an example of that. I was first dating my wife, Beth, a while back now, but I was dating, one of the things I realized is I couldn't keep money in my pocket, right? Because I kept wanting to see her, and I had to use the excuse of dates to do so, and so I kept spending on dates and kept going to dinners and going to movies, and, and then I would see something really cool, and I'd want to give it to her, and I just couldn't keep money in my pocket. I spent it continually because you cannot love without giving. And God looks at us and he lavishes us continually with his love and his care and his blessings because he loves us so much, he can't stop. And so if you're going to be like God, who God is love, one of the things, if we're going to be like him, is we have to learn to be givers. There's another thing, too, when we give, we, giving draws us closer to God. And I hear this often when I talk to people. I just need to be closer to God. I want to trust him with more stuff in my life. I want to, I want to experience him differently. I want to experience him more. The Bible says this, and it's a hard saying, but it says this, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So let me just ask you this. Where's your heart this morning? The answer is it's wherever your treasure is, isn't it? If it's in a boat or a house or your business or your clothes or your children or your family or your career, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And yet every time I give to God, it moves me a bit closer to him because more and more, that's where my treasure goes. It draws me closer to him because that's where my treasure is. And God has always been much more interested in raising disciples than he is in raising dollars. And yet the two, it seems, as we walk through scripture, seems to be very closely linked, very closely related. There's another one, too. Giving gives us victory over materialism. Let me see if I can explain that a little bit. You know, there's a lie that you see on TV a lot. It's that you can purchase happiness, right? Life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. If I can just get this certain thing, then I'll be happy. If I can get, get to this certain place, then I'll be happy. It always seems like it's an if I can get there, then I can be finally happy. But we get there and we find something else that will make us happy if we just get there. And so we may not totally believe it. We may know that it's somewhat false, but we try, don't we? We try to get more and more, but it doesn't seem to change our happiness, at least not for long. And if it were true, obviously the people with the most money would always be the happiest, but I know from personal experience that's not true. I've met tons of people that have tons of money, and yet they want to give up on life. 
The reality is, is that you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And every time I give, it breaks what I'll call the suburbia syndrome, which just simply says this, I've got to have more. And it's the only antidote I know to materialism. Well, the whole world says more, giving says give away, and it breaks this grip of materialism. I'm going to give you, a, I'll just give you a personal example, and you can take this for what it's worth. I, I don't generally share these things um, in this area, but, but the reality is <laughs> God has been so faithful as I've walked through life in this area of giving. And, and one of the things that I, I, I've done, I've challenged myself, is every time I get tempted to put money above God, a bill comes in that I, I don't know how to pay, or there's a situation that it comes up that I'm not just sure how to, it's going to happen. And there's a temptation, whatever the temptation is, that gets me to say, you know, you got to put this above God. I, I've just kind of, several years ago, I just started doing this. I take that and I say, no, 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 I got to change this up and I start giving more to God. Does that make sense? I up my, I up my giving. And you think, well, that's a kind of punishing yourself. But I do it to break this. Does that make sense? I'm getting so wrapped up, I'm getting so anxious, I'm getting so drawn toward putting this something else as a priority above God, that by putting more money toward God, it breaks that tie in my life. You can take it for what it's worth, but it's one of the, the best things I've ever found in combating that greed, combating that selfishness, combating that worry, combating that anxiety. And whenever I put God first, the peace comes, and he seems to provide. The Bible says this, then, in light of that. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, and that's all of us if we live in America and you're rich, not to put your hope in wealth. That's what we do, though, isn't it? But it says, do not put your hope in wealth, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In other words, it's not wrong to, to enjoy nice things. It's not. But the Bible says... God says it's okay to enjoy the blessings that he's given to you. They're blessings that he's given and poured upon you. He wants you to enjoy life. He does. But then he also says this, that he doesn't make us prosper simply so that we can spend it all on ourselves. I think that's where we maybe lose sight. He says, command them to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And so he's saying you make a life by giving, by breaking that, that, that tie that money has over us. That, and it's a strong tie, isn't it? When we think about tithing, when we think about giving, when we think about benefiting anybody, right, that's struggling, there's a tie that says, I don't want to. <laughs> there's, a, there's a tie that says, this is too hard. There's a tie that says, this is more important. John Taylor in his book, Enough is Enough, says every Christian family ought to adopt as its slogan when commercials come on TV, who are you kidding he says, as a family, we ought to stand up and shout in unison every time a commercial comes on and says, if you'll just buy this toothpaste, you'll be sexy. If you'll just get this deodorant, you'll be successful. If you just get this product, life will be a breeze. We should shout, who are you kidding? See, giving is an antidote to materialism. It, it kind of breaks the hold that it has on you. It teaches us to give away. And in Deuteronomy 14, it goes back to the purpose the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's why Satan hates giving. That's why he wars against it so much. Giving, too, it strengthens our faith. And that's, all, again, one of the stated goals in, in growing as a disciple to get to a place where we trust God more and more. And it's true, God uses dollars at times to test our faith and at times to strengthen our faith. God says in Malachi, test me, try me, prove me. I dare you. You give and see if I won't bless you more in return. If you want to prove that there's a God, there's only one way that you can prove God to the people of this world. The rest is faith. You have to trust what God says in his word. There's one way you can prove it, and through giving. 
There's only one argument for God in the Bible. It says, you give and see if I won't bless you back. And then God says, I dare you. Test me in this. See if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven so much that you won't have enough room to bear it. See, there's lots of promises in the Bible, but there's more promises regarding giving than any other subject that's out there. And yet with every promise, there's a premise, isn't there? God says, you give, and I'll give it to you. And we also say, God, why don't you bless us first, and then once we win the lottery, we'll go ahead and we'll give you your 10%. And we'd love to do it that way. But God says, no, 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 you prime the pump, you first. Why? Because that's where it tests our faith. It's where it tests our trust. Giving tests my faith, and it strengthens it. In Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflowing. It's a promise from God. Again, we say God's word is true, that God never changes. And yet when we hear things like that, there's a struggle to always embrace it. Again, I've seen God in amazing ways come through. And I'll just share some things. When I was first in ministry, there was, you know, I've not always been good at giving. And when I was first in ministry and I found myself giving talks about tithing, I became convicted because it's hard to talk about tithing if you're not doing it. And so I said, well, I'm a pastor now. I've got to figure this out. I'm just going to tithe and I'm going to do it. But I tried to look then for all the loopholes I could possibly look for, right? Can I take off my loans from seminary? You know, can I do that? And, and God convicted me and said no. But then there's challenges that come up after you decide, right? And there came a place where I was going to have to declare bankruptcy because my student loans were so high that I was having a tough time making it in my one-bedroom apartment, okay? And these pastors didn't make a whole lot back then when they started, and so it was just a reality. And, and yet I said that the only way I could not declare bankruptcy is to stop tithing, which you say, well, duh, stop doing that. But God had convicted me not to do that. And the next time, the next year I got my raise or whatever and it was for the exact amount of my student loan just the way of God providing there was a, I got into ministry for a while and I was doing fine but the reality of buying a house wasn't anywhere close to being in the picture people would ask me are you looking for a house and I was like <laughs> I look you know but there's just no way houses were then in Houston Texas running 140 $150,000 for a starter home and, and I just couldn't do that and I thought, well, there's a way I could do it if I stop tithing, right? There's always a way if you can take that money and put it toward that loan. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Remember, the congregation decided to build me a house, $150,000 house for $85,000, which is what I could afford. I've shared before, I was going through an experience where we just got a car paid off, right? It was the first time we'd ever have a car paid off, you know, we just didn't trade it in and tape it off. We were so excited. We were finally getting to one of our financial goals, and the air conditioner goes out. You think, well, that's not a blessing. It is when you didn't have the money to pay for it, and now I had money to take an air conditioning loan so that we could make the next payment so we can keep going. Because these are just examples, you can take them for what it's worth, but I've seen extraordinary things happen, and I've seen more extraordinary things happen in people that I've talked to to begin tithing. I've talked to people that, that, that didn't have a penny to their names, and they were always f struggling financially, and they said, they got convicted one day, and they said, we're just going to do it. And as a pastor, I was even worried about them. I was like, oh, how in the world is this going to happen? But they were convicted. Through that year, they got checks from the HUD, and they got checks that they didn't even know about, and it seems like every time there was a shortfall, God would send the exact amount for them. 
exact amount they needed to go forward. I talked to another guy who did, got convicted about tithing, and he wasn't sure exactly how it would all fit in his family. The next race he got to the penny was the increase of the tithe. I use these just as examples to say that God provides, and there's a peace and there's a joy that comes when you trust the Lord. It's not craziness. It's, it's God's promise being fulfilled. If we trust him with forgiveness, if we, trust, if we trust him with heaven, if we trust him with giving us strength in adversity, I'm just imploring you to consider finding this peace in another area of your life, an area of our life that seems to be overwhelmingly filled with anxiety and stress and worry. There's lots of promises in the Bible, but none more than God gives us in his word about giving. Another thing we get when we give is we give, God gives us an investment for eternity. Here's the truth. You can't take it with you. I've never seen anybody pulling a hearse or, or a U-Haul, uh, pulling, having a hearse pulling a U-Haul. But the reality is that God says, wait a minute, you can't actually send it on ahead by investing in the people that are going there. See, every time you give, it's an eternal investment. Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven. How do you do that? First Timothy tells us, give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God has given you. By doing this, you'll be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. In other words, it's a protected investment. And with all the stuff going on today, this is, this is good money, right? Because you get to experience the joy of knowing somebody's in heaven because you gave. You gave your time, you gave your money, you, gave your, your, you spent down and you spent some time counseling or just sharing life with them. You spent whatever it was to make sure they'd be there. That says, every time I give, it's an investment in the future. Giving blesses me in return. I always get more out of it than I give. In Proverbs 22, 9, it says, a generous man will himself be blessed. In Psalm 112, verse 5 and 6, it says, good will come to him who is generous, and a righteous man will be remembered forever. And so I'll just ask you, what do you want to be remembered for? Calvin Coolidge once said that no man is ever honored for what he received in life. He's only honored for what he gave. And so he's just saying, we're not honored for what we get out of life. A lot of people amass a great fortune. We're honored for what we give. And so I'll just ask you dads. Dads, when you die, are your kids going to say, my dad was a generous man with his time, with his money, with his energy? Mothers, when you die, are your children going to say, my mom was a generous mom. She had it, she gave it. The Bible says that we are blessed in return when we're generous with other people. Again, the Bible says a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I don't know if you've learned this secret, but there's a secret out there that says whatever you give out is what you get back. Have you learned this to be true? That when you give out criticism, you tend to get criticism back? Or if you give out gossip, you tend to find people are gossiping about you? Have you tried the other when you try giving out encouragement? It's amazing how often that comes back, that comes back to you as well. It's a law of light that we sow and we reap, and we reap what we sow. And the more we give away, the more we get back in blessing. It makes us like God. It draws us closer to God. It's the antidote to materialism. It helps us, our focus, it helps us focus our priorities and put first things first. It blesses me in return. It's an investment in eternity. And lastly, God says it's going to make me happy. And that's the part I think we miss too. It's a source of joy. Jesus says this, there is more happiness in giving than receiving. Guys, it, I think all of us start in the same place. Most of us aren't naturally unselfish people. We're naturally selfish people. 
And this idea of trusting God was something that we feel like we can control. It's scary. It's scary in any area of our life. But God says, if you want peace in this area, if you want to experience blessing in this area, I need you to trust me. People who don't know the, the, the joy of giving are people just that have simply never done it. Because it's, there's a saying, people give till it hurts, but nobody give till it hurts. They give because it feels good, because there's a source of joy that comes from it. And God wants us to enjoy being a generous person because the happiest people in life are givers. And there's, I found only two people, two types of people in life, takers and givers. The happy people in life are the people that are generous with their lives. Jesus said this, and I want you to listen to the words here. He says, lose your life to find it. What does that mean? Give it away, he says. The word miserable comes from the root word miser. The more I hold on to what I've got, the more miserable I become. It's the person who is generous in his lifestyle that's happy. Carl Menninger once said, giving is a good criterion of mental health. Generous people are rarely, term- or rarely mentally ill. In 1 Chronicles 29.9, it says, The people rejoiced, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David also rejoiced greatly. You know, and I share this because the reality is that we have a really cool church. We, we do. There's a lot of unity, a lot of growth, a, a lot of fun that we have together. Some of you guys just exude a genuine joy about life. And I love that. And I love being around that. And the reason I think we have such a happy church in general is because we have such a generous church, such a giving church. I mean, the leaders, they're generous, and they give of their time, and they give of their talents, and they give of their care. The, the staff is, a, is happy because they're doing the same things. I, I meet members all the time that are asking me, what, is there something I can pray for you, Pastor? And I tell you, that's encouraging, you know? Just knowing I'm part of a family that cares, and there's a genuine joy that comes from being a part of that. And yet, in the end, I'm going to share with you something that should be obvious, I hope, and it's this that God couldn't care less about the amount you give. What he's interested, always has been interested in, is your attitude. Not the amount, the attitude of the heart. And so he sets the mark at 10%, and then he asks, what are you going to do? And in that, he tests your attitude. And in that, he tests your love for him. For in the end, God doesn't want your money. He wants what your money represents, and that's you. And it's your heart, and it's your mind, it's you. Why? So he can wrap you up with his arms and tell you how much he loves you. Tell you that you're forgiven because of Jesus. So that you can grow your trust and your faith in him so that he can do extraordinary things to heal and and resolve issues in your life. But ultimately, I think he does it because he just wants you to be with him forever in heaven. And you start asking, well, why does God want to do all that? That's a great question. But the answer's always been the same. It's because he loves you. This is nothing more, this whole area is nothing more than a test of faith. Do you trust, or as they say in the truth, do you really believe what you you say? How does it go? Do you really believe what you believe is really true? And if you do, and if you believe that God is for you, and if you believe that he is true to his promises, I'm, I'm just, this is more of an imploring message, right? I, I just don't want you to miss the blessing. The blessing is real, and it's true, and there's a peace that comes in your finances. And that's my heart today. I'm just trying to share that with you, because I know we can get all f- fussy about this kind of stuff, but there's a true blessing that comes in being faithful and in trusting the Lord, and I want you to have that today. 
And so go with that encouragement and go with his promises and with his love. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. God, we love that you love us so much. And you do test us a lot. And it seems like in so many of these areas, we just have a hard time trusting you back. Father, we, we pray more and more that you would give us strength. To, when we look at your word, that you would give us a strength to follow. We know, Lord, that it makes life easier. We know, Lord, that it makes life better as this whole sermon kind of has been wrapped around that theme. And yet, Father, we, we struggle. And so we pray, give us the strength to trust you more. Give us the strength to put into practice your promise, what, what you've promised to be true. And allow us to experience the blessing not just of what you return to us, but the forgiveness and the hope and the peace. Father, that's our prayer today. And hear us in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen.